Hello. So today we have a fellow window cleaning enthusiast on the podcast and his name is Jersey. So it was a really cool conversation. We got to chat about all things window cleaning. Jersey is from windowcleaner.com. He's got a podcast and a magazine. He has been in window cleaning for 16 years and he, uh, he sold his company and now he does more coaching and on the business side of things. And the really cool thing that brought our attention to him actually was his, his podcast. So he has WCR Nation uh, window cleaning podcast and he's done it for five years now every single week which is crazy. So he has a ton of window cleaning content uh, that you can go out there and consume if you'd like to, I definitely recommend. And he also has the window cleaning magazine as well. So American Window Cleaner magazine, which he's had for uh, coming up on two years. And that's a print magazine about window cleaning that started in 1986, believe it or not. So Jersey has a bunch of experience. It was really cool to talk to him and we hope you enjoy this episode. Entrepreneurs Start Here helps you bridge the gap between now and what is next. We embrace taking action and leaning into your community to grow. Explore the ins and outs of being an entrepreneur and what it takes to truly start through candid interviews with innovators like you. This is the Entrepreneurs Start Here podcast. Okay, welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Start Here podcast. Today, we're interviewing a fellow podcaster, much more seasoned than Owen or I. Uh, I think, Jersey, you've been doing this for five years, if I'm right. It has, yes. It feels like much, much longer, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we've got Jersey from windowcleaner.com and um, WCR Nation. Uh, it's a window cleaning podcast, and I've recently listened listened to a whole bunch of your episodes. So I'm I'm pretty nice. pumped to have you on here today. So welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah. So I guess I'll tell you and the audience where um, how I heard about you, and it's one of the franchisees that I have coached for quite a few years. He recently let me in. If he's listening to this, he'll know who he is. Uh, he recently let me in on a little secret about when he first got signed to to run a business with us um it was in I don't know September a few years back and we don't really start until January February of the of the following year so in the months in between he was getting super hyped to run his window cleaning business and it's nothing he had ever done before he knew nothing about it um, but he knew he was about to run a window cleaning business. And so he listened to all of the, he consumed, I guess, all of the window cleaning content that he could possibly consume. <laughs> so he told me, he's like, I, yeah, Quentin, like I used to listen to window cleaning podcasts all the time. And it's like, what? There's window cleaning podcasts? I had no idea. So I, uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. That's how I heard about your podcast. And then, yeah, I dove into a bunch of content. You have a, a ton of stuff on there. Nice. Uh, really cool to listen to so I guess before we get into that aspect I kind of want to know more generally just who you are uh, your background your kind of like pre-window cleaning story <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, I started a company um, yeah window cleaning company that also did some pressure washing and 
Uh, I ran that for about 16 years before I sold it. I actually sold to my operations officer at the time. So it was a super, super easy transition and, and buyout. We ended up running it as a four-year buyout plan. Uh, so it was like super smooth for him. It was, we literally high-fived in the hallway one day and that was it. It was his company. So it was a great exit. Um, and I was moving down uh, to North Carolina and that's the reason I kind of sold it. I didn't want to be a, a, an absentee owner, if you will. So I moved and uh, I started another company down here and did that for about a year before I realized that every other poker I had in the fire with uh, everything else from from media and sales and and uh, consulting and everything else that I had done for that, that it just was a bit too much. So I sold that company and uh, I have not cleaned a window that wasn't my own for about uh, three years now. So it's a, it's a, it's been a nice transition. But you still clean your own windows. Well, as much as a window cleaner does, <laughs> more, not as much as my wife would like, but maybe uh, once or uh, twice a year, I'll get out. And I still have all the gear. And of course, doing uh, the sales and things that I do, I, I have more equipment than I ever know what to do with just for demos and things like that. So yeah, makes it easy. Yeah, it, it's a good, your house is good training house, no? That's right. That's right. Yeah. You, you, usually when you get some uh, new gear, you have the cleanest house in town. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. So, okay. So you ran your window cleaning business for quite a while. Do you remember what compelled you initially to start a window cleaning business? Yeah. So it's really funny in business. People always kind of ask that, you know, Oh, what got you into business? And it's kind of like the, uh, oh, how'd you meet your wife kind of story. And some people have really good stories and some people don't. And mine is not that great. <laughs> I was actually helping my, my brother who had a painting company at the time. And um, somebody had asked him to do the windows and I happened to be off work, you know, I had a vacation, but he needed some help. So I spent my vacation day helping him and that's what he had me do. And I was like, this is kind of fun. And I've always had little businesses. So I kind of started doing that as a air quote side hustle, if you will. And, uh, you know how that goes. You, you eventually have a side hustle that makes more than your, your main hustle, if you will. And, and then you kind of transition to it. So it's not as, uh, not as glamorous as I'd like to say, but uh, it's a pretty common story. Very nice. So you said you have, um, you kind of dabbled in a bunch of different businesses before that. What, do you remember your first business? Oh man, I do. Actually, it was in middle school. Yeah. I sold candy bars illegally in my middle school out of my backpack. It was, <laughs> they didn't like that to, to happen, but I did that for about a year before they told me that I had to stop. So <laughs> that's a classic response is like somebody's just been doing it ever since they can remember since before they realized what they they were doing. Sounds, yes. Sounds yeah. It makes me feel bad actually, because uh, everyone has a story about how they were a three-year-old entrepreneur and stuff. And I just kind of got into it a little later on. So kind of, kind of make me feel like I wasn't born for business here. I don't know. No, it's, a, it's a spark. It, it, you know, some people could have it early, but then there's other people who just, uh, like you had said earlier, just somebody decided, Hey, this is something we're getting into. And all of a sudden you just, you turn into a nerd and you just watch and consume and you, you just embrace everything. And then you never can get back out of it. It's just, it becomes part of you. It doesn't have to be born into you, you know? Sounds like for you, it, it kind of was though. Hey, eh? you've been doing business ever Ever it was. Yes. I kind of always had some little things kind of going little, little, 
I guess businesses or something. I'm really, really into the business side of things. It doesn't much matter to me and like what I was doing at the time. Uh, so, you know, a lot of like the, uh, the, the podcasting that I do in media is all on the business side of it. That part's interesting to me, you know, from, from, you know, logo design to even corporate entities, that stuff's all kind of interesting to me. Uh, some people get into say window cleaning because they really just enjoy cleaning windows. They're not really as much into the business side of it. So there's different aspects to, to everything, but that that's the side I'm on. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those. I do love to clean windows. I woke up this morning, actually texted one of my friends that I was in my rookie franchise year with. And uh, I said, wouldn't it be a great day to go crush some budgets right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, we, we get into it. It's, this is one of those, it's interesting. If you're into something like a hobby, you can be into it, but if you get immersed in it, if you just get lost in it, and then that's all you talk about and all you do, it may be annoying to your friends, but it is how you become successful, really. You know, it's 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 knowing everything, it's learning everything, it's just keeping such a, a an open mind and such a sponge of a brain to just soak it all up. Mm-hmm. And you've definitely done that. I know you have your you've had have your podcast, you have the window cleaning magazine as well, mm-hmm. and you have the window cleaning business. It sounds like you do a bit of coaching. You kind of have a whole bunch of, um, yeah, you're dip your toes in all the different aspects that you possibly could with window cleaning. Um, Before we get to some of those things, do you remember the first steps that you took when you were setting up the business? I guess it sounds like it kind of organically happened that you just started washing windows. Do you remember when you started thinking of it as a business or what were some of the first steps to turn it into a successful business that you were able to, to sell later? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in business, there's the creating the image of business and there's actually doing the work. And a lot of people kind of do get stuck on the whole, well, I'm waiting to start my, you know, actually clean a window because I have to get my, my LLC and I have to get my insurance and I have to get my logo. And then the shirts are getting printed and they're so busy in kind of getting the image of the business built before they actually start the business. And uh, I was almost the other side. That part all came because that was kind of my passion anyway, but uh, I remember after I, I left my my brother's job that day, I went out and bought a starter kit uh, online at the time. It was through catalog. This is before, you know, online, online. But um, I bought a starter kit and had to wait five days, you know, before it showed up uh, at my door. So by doing that, I ordered the equipment and said, okay, well, my business is starting in five days when I get the stuff. Now it's time to make my logo and to think of a name and to, to create a domain and all that stuff. And uh, it's, you kind of move slowly into it to do it the right way. If you try to plan everything right away, it's a nice jump, but you're never really ready to start the business. You kind of just have to do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if I find myself telling people that often when I do coaching calls is like, you got to take action and people can get really stuck if they think too much. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like a ladder placement. I don't know if you'll appreciate (laughs) what I'm saying right now, but if you think too much about it, sometimes you just have to like push the ladder into the tree a little bit. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you, um, yeah. How did you, at the start, how did you market your business? Yeah. So 
what I did uh, in my business is I started with free. <laughs> that was like my goal getting into it because you either have time or you have money. You usually don't have both. And at the beginning when I started and I had more time than money, because obviously when you start a business, you don't, you're not full time instantly. So I started with a lot of the free stuff, you know, um, at the time there was, you know, Craigslist style uh, free kind of programs out there. There was flyers and door hangers and something that I knew I could get printed for a low cost and hand out myself. Um, I knew that me being able to kind of talk to people was the more time consuming part of it, but uh, cost me a lot less. So that's how I really got into it. And until I got more money than time, that's kind of my marketing plan was just what could I do for the lowest amount of money? Did you ever do cold calling like uh, door to door? So no, I have a kind of a weird theory on cold calling for residential. So, you know, in window cleaning, there's three real aspects. There's residential, there's commercial, and then there's route. Uh, for, for us, we call it different things than I think you guys may call it like a zone or something, you know, for route. But what we do is is different for each one. So residential, for me, I don't do the door knocking. I don't talk to people because anytime you go to their 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 castle their domain their you know their their happy place their comfort zone uh they're instantly going to be a little bit off you know cold calling and door knocking is really really a hard occupation and i take my hat off to anybody who does it but uh for me it was leave a flyer low contact they can call me if they want when it comes to route you know storefronts and commercial you have to contact them uh, that's kind of the big difference for it. So uh, that's kind of how I started. And that's kind of how my mindset was the entire time too. Interesting. I think I, sorry, we used to wash windows in the States a little bit. Um, and I have heard that the cold calling situation is pretty tough, pretty tough down there. Mm -hmm. um, we, we do that as like the most, by far most reliable way of, of getting work still. And oh wow! Nice. It might be something something that will change over time. I mean, we'll probably go the way of the states where people are are a little less I don't know trusting of people knocking at their doors. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay, interesting. So you don't do any any knock on doors. So mainly Craigslist flyers. Um, do you find flyers are effective, or did you figure out any ways to make them more effective at all? Because I know. When we use them, typically it's like one in a thousand people will answer your flyer sort of thing. Yeah, there's uh, split testing in any type of print is really, 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 really important. And what I found early on is, is that because I didn't have a ton of money getting into it, I was split testing a ton because I only had enough money to buy maybe a, a hundred flyers at a time. I would change a bunch of stuff and print a hundred flyers at a time and go, Oh, okay. Well, I got an extra two people on this batch or whatever it was, you know, translated at the time. So I'd change something else and see if it went up or down. And I was split testing without even knowing it. You know, I mean, when you split test something, if you create something, you go, man, this is awesome. I just made this great, cool looking thing. Oh, it's so great. Well, I'm not my target market. So I really, can't believe myself when I think I made something good. The only way to really test that is to put it out there and see what consumers or your target market is actually saying, you know? So 
for split testing. If people make something and go, I don't know why it's not working. Mail just doesn't work for me. Flyers just doesn't work for me. Fill in the blank just doesn't work for me. It's not that it doesn't work for you or your area or your customers or your whatever. It's just the piece you have isn't optimally created basically. So split testing is huge. Flyers can work. Um, we get it more into EDDM, which is a, a program we have here in the States for uh, post office. It's blanketing post office, basically. Super, super cheap to get a lot of different pieces out there. Um, but that is a way that now I can hand out, you know, 2,500 pieces in an afternoon without doing anything except dropping it off at the mail, you know, at the uh, post office. So uh, it changes, but yet the concept's still there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So any other like memories or anything from when you first initially started any like big challenges that happened at the start? I guess I also should ask maybe to clarify, was your window cleaning business the, the biggest business that you had ever started at, at, at that point? Yeah, it was. I always thought I wanted to be in the, um, the service side of things, not like the retail side of things. There's just a lot more profits. You're selling time, not products at that point. Uh, so there's no waste is nothing like that. So I always had little service things, but up until that point, they were always just side projects. Basically that was the first and biggest one that I've had, uh, individually, um, up until that point, since then I've, I've had, you know, bigger businesses, but, um, at the time it was, everything was new, everything was exciting. So, you know, I have my first check I ever made. I still have that uh, at my house now. And I said, like, I, I made that like 16 or 17 years ago. And uh, that stuff's just interesting to me. It's that, that side of it, you know, but my first job I ever did took me, gosh, I think it was three, three hours and 15 minutes. And I was just not prepared for it. It went really, really bad. And I thought, man, I'm not going to make any money. And we still kept that job until I sold, I sold a company and they were still doing that job. And that job took us about 12 minutes to do. So you get faster, you get more efficient through time and it, uh, you know, you approve and your pay improves because of it. So mm. we'll have to, I guess uh, to that end, sorry, uh, to cut you off there, Quentin, but I uh, was thinking about, you know, getting that, uh, getting faster and getting that labor more productive. A common theme with the people I've been coaching this year has been a bit of difficulty with with labor so do you have much insight on what it was like first starting your company finding your first employees did you clean a lot of windows yourself initially or at what point did you phase that out uh, could you give me a little insight on on starting out with your, your employees and your labor yeah yeah so uh labor is always no matter how big or small you get it's always going to be the biggest like issue uh, not necessarily a problem, but an issue. It's going to be something that you always have to work on and you always have to keep rotating. You always have to find good people. Um, in my world, it was one out of like 11 people was a really, really good long-term keeper, you know? So that means you, you end up getting a lot of people in and finding out that after a few months to a year, or I've even had a couple people on the first day, I found out real quick, they weren't right. You know, so there's always that, but I knew from the beginning I wanted to start a business and I knew that I wanted to have a company as opposed to just a job, right? So I did one job. That job I just told you about was the only job I did by myself. And uh, I hired somebody <laughs> right <laughs> after that. And it was uh, it was a family friend. Uh, so it was an easy kind of uh, almost a cheater position. But um, but yeah, I went right into that with uh, with staff. But 
um, hire somebody based on their personality. Anybody can learn what we do. You know, I mean, yes, it takes a lot of skill to be fast and efficient at what we do and to really make it look good, but anybody can be taught that part. Not everybody can be taught of what kind of person to be or uh, what kind of personality to have or how they convey to other people. And that's really where the image of your company comes from. So I guess in thinking about uh, your kind of revolving door there, as you mentioned, would you recommend anyone starting out a window cleaning business to kind of always be in the hiring process? You know, I think a lot of people who end up with labor shortages in, in our business, you know, sometimes it's they hire three people off the bat and then they're not right, but they didn't, don't know that for six weeks and then they don't want mm-hmm. to go back to the interview process. So what would you, what would you say to that? Yeah, yeah. So ABH, always be hiring is is huge because uh, for you, you know, bringing somebody on, we're, we're talking somebody who has not ever cleaned a window, right? Which is the majority of the people that I ended up hiring. Uh, you're going to be anywhere from three to six weeks of really just training them until you are absolutely confident, you know. Um, but for an employee, they could literally have a bad afternoon and within 30 seconds tell you, hey, I'm done. You know, so you are always spending a lot more time hiring and training than somebody is firing or quitting. So in that same sense as you always have to have people semi in the rotation and um, you have to know when you are ready to hire. I don't like when people have, you know, too much staff or not enough, but that's the catch 22 in business. You know, you, you either have too much work for the people you have, or you have too many people for the work you have. It's uh, never a, a perfect kind of situation when you're trying to hire somebody. So there's a little would you rather for everybody. Um, do you, so you said one in 11. That's a very interesting stat. Have you uh, run the numbers over the years or? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a numbers nerd. Um, but for me, a long-term guy was like four years or longer. Um, when I left, uh, we had uh, 10, 10 uh, total staff. And four of them were long-term guys, uh, about six years. All of them were there for about six years. Um, one was there for five, but two were there for six. Anyway, six years was pretty much where we were in that. And that all came from a lot of techs and a lot of people who we just didn't, didn't mend with. And they knew just like we did that it just wasn't right. And you have to find that, that person. What, what people do get caught up on, just like what Owen was saying, is that you get somebody in. And all of a sudden, you know, they're not really working. Well, that means they got to be trained longer. Well, it's been six months. Well, you know, we really got to get this under, you know, this has got to get, you know, under control or we're going to have to let them go, you know, and now it's nine months later. And all of a sudden it's like, well, we're getting into spring. So I can't get rid of them now. I'm just, I got to run them through. And then we'll wait till summer, you know, and summer comes and now you're a year into it and you've waited way too long. And now you're pot committed really. And uh, now all of a sudden you're, you're a slave to your business. You're, you're not really running your business. So um, hiring is one of those things you really, really, really have to uh, focus on and hiring is uncomfortable. Firing is uncomfortable, but it's the the health of your company really. Yeah, I think I'm definitely taking away your uh, always be hiring uh, Alec Baldwin as quote there. Uh, I, I think that that was one of my big takeaways from this year is that all the people who got stuck in the labor department just came from getting trapped in the, in the employees they had and not actually having a continuous hiring process. I think that is definitely mm-hmm. something that, that I'm going to be teaching as curriculum henceforth. Yeah. There, there's something kind of crazy too. You would think it'd be opposite, but if I have 30 employees, it's really easy for me to let one go because 30 or 29 other employees can absorb that one pretty easily. 
But when you're starting that one through five employees is the hardest because if it's me and somebody else, right? Or say it's two employees that are out in the field and I'm running the office. If I lose one of them, that means I am no longer in the office and I'm only in the field. So it's such a large um, uh, hurt that's put onto my business by doing that, that I, it, it's a lot harder to let somebody go, even though, you know, in your heart of hearts that they need to be, it just isn't working out and it's not good. It's not a good fit for either of you. Um, it's not until you get to that five-ish employee mark where it actually is a little bit more comfortable where if you let somebody go, you're not in dire straits until you get somebody else. And and that's again, where people really think, oh man, it's this, I can't do it without them. I can't do it without them. And all of a sudden it's, they have you instead of you having them. And that's where the problem comes in. I have a question that I think a lot of the people listening, uh, would like to hear if you are able to share, it sounds like you've fired some people. Do you have any, mm -hmm. any tips on how to do that? well and, and yeah free. yeah it's you know it's the way of the world and 99.99 percent of people already know things aren't perfect and i just feel like the relationships i have with people in general are are different than you know i'm the boss on my high horse and I, you know like if you just talk to people and say hey you know like uh, we've tried this for quite a while and, and, you know, I get the feeling from you too. You kind of understand that it's just maybe not a great pairing, you know, I mean, letting somebody know that it's not working out for a lot of reasons is better than telling somebody like, Hey, you suck at what you're doing. You're fired because that's offensive. You're at that point, you're making a bad situation even worse. That's when you hear these really bad stories of so-and-so got fired and then they they went back and, you know, burned the building down. It's all because of how it was done. You know, somebody somewhere decided to kind of take the whole, um, you know, I am the uh, top of the food chain and and you're no longer here. If, if you just explain to somebody and say, hey, this is what's going on, you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to to write your references and help you out, but but we both know it's just not really working out. People have really, you know, they understand, they get with it. They, 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 they get it at that point. Nice. Good advice. Good advice. Um, I'm curious as well. You, so we're talking about, about labor, which is a huge, I mean, yeah, it's just an ongoing, um, just an ongoing thing that needs attention as we say all, all the time. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do you think? So when you sold your, when you sold your business, your, your window cleaning business, do, how much of a part do you think the people played versus like maybe the brand or the processes? Um, yeah. Like do those go to the people that you said were, you know, four years plus, do they stick around? Is that like part of a big part of what you think you built as your company or is it more like the branding processes, customer list? What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. So the structure of the business is your processes and, and your systems and kind of how things get. That's how, you know, growth happens. That's how uh, structure kind of becomes uh, strong, if you will, in the business. But the people and the culture, I had an amazing team because of our culture. It was It was more because of that side of it. And at a certain point, people don't know who I am anymore. You know, as the business owner, I may talk to them on the phone, but they know who, you know, Gary is or whatever their, their chief, you know, their, their crew chief for that, their crew is. 
Well, if that person is amazing, your company's amazing. You know, they will always say, oh, I really like, you know, fill in the blank restaurant. You know, the, the staff is just so nice. They're just so, they're not talking about the restaurant. They're talking about the people. But as soon as they talk about uh, the negatives, it's the business, right? If you did a poor job or talking to you made me uncomfortable and I just, uh, man, I just don't like them. You know, they just, they, they didn't spend the time with me. They didn't. And now all of a sudden it's they, it's not you. That's the bad part. It's you. That's the good part. So in business, you want to really be able to kind of focus on that. So I think the people really did have uh, a lot to do with the continued success, but, but also more um, the experience, which I always tell people like experience in business is way more than actually getting a clean window. No matter who you hire, you're going to get a clean window. That's, you know, that's like going to an oil change place and getting your oil changed. You know, that's what the end result is, but what's the experience that makes it different from the next guy. And that ends up being the people. Absolutely. I guess when it comes to talking about, uh, you know, Gary, the crew chief, to use your example there, are you typically hiring someone directly from the interviewing process into being a, a crew chief uh, assistant manager is the term that, that we use uh, yep. in that regard. But are you, are you going right from the interview to the crew chief position, hiring you know, separately for that versus your, your technicians? Or uh, is it mostly hiring from within, you know, promoting from within? Yeah, uh, always for, yeah, always for me, I'm, I'm promoting within because that is a respect thing for them anyway. Uh, I want to pay my employees, you know, um, as much as I can with that market, but I also want to show them that, Hey, like, I just want to let you know, like, I can't do this without you. I would like you to be a crew chief. You know, I'll never ever hire somebody new into that position. If there's people who want that position, um, you know, at certain times, there's some people who are really good with techs. They're really good workers. They're, they're awesome to have on the team, but they don't want the responsibility to be the one that leads or the one that talks to the customer all the time or the one that, you know, does this or that. And that's cool too, because you hire people and you allow their, uh, their kind of uh, benefits or what they're good at to dictate what they do. So it's up to them. If anybody wants to be a crew chief that's worked for me, they'll always get first call on it. Nice. Maybe one more question on labor. Uh, do you have any any tips for people to make the window cleaning the job of a window cleaning technician more appealing? <laughs> yes, yeah. Don't hire for a window cleaning technician. Like you've seen the ads, you guys, you may have written them, or anybody listening may have written them, where it says, you know, hey, we, uh, you know, we go up three stories, must not be scared of heights, must, and you write this whole thing that's just explaining like the definition of the position no one cares. Like the people who are applying are applying to everything. They've read 30 different resumes. They all sound the same. Must be a self-starter, must be good with people. They all have the same exact thing. So my entire philosophy in hiring was to change that all up. Like my heading to most all of my uh, ads were always, I'm awesome, or I'm looking for a superhero or uh, something. And I would just explain like why you want to work for me because you already know I want you to work for me. That's why you have an ad. But I want to say some other things. I want to throw out all these crazy perks and explain things all you know, in, in regular layman terms that are also conveyed really, really well. Like I'll tell people like, hey, I hate wasps. You'll probably hate wasps too, but you're going to run into them. You know, like something general like that. It's, it's explaining things by also showing kind of the, 
the way that your company is and the culture in the company. And I've had people, this is not an exaggeration. It's been multiple times when you're using one of these larger companies, um, these kind of um, uh, companies that put your resume out there. I've had people write me emails that just said, Hey, I'm not, I'm not a manual labor person. I'm not looking for this type of position, but I, I had to read your ad. It is so awesome. I just want to say like, it was such a funny ad. It was such a good ad and you know, good luck on everything. So it really kind of conveys what you're saying, how more than, you know, how you're saying it than what you're saying. Nice. So you put some personality into it. Exactly. Um, I guess one thing I'm wondering then uh, as we move on from your initial window cleaning business is how did you, you know, come to purchasing window cleaning magazine? Yeah. Well, uh, that came up about two years ago. And so in, in what I do now is, uh, I'm the sales manager here for windowcleaner.com, which in the U.S. were the, the largest window cleaning supplier. Uh, but with that, I started doing podcasting five years ago. So people started kind of knowing me for content. And then with that, I started doing, you know, of course, TikToks and, and other types of contents and other types of shows. And then, of course, we're at trade shows all the time and I'm on other podcasts with other people and all this stuff. And uh, when the magazine came up, it was almost like my entire world is helping people start businesses, run businesses, all that good stuff. And I thought, well, this would be kind of cool is to get another form of media in the same realm. So I knew the guy who had purchased the magazine or who owned the magazine at the time. And, and uh, we worked that out and uh, yeah, it's, it's been really uh, pretty awesome. It's, we changed some things. It's now a monthly magazine that, you know, gets delivered to you. There's, we kind of went more with the culture side. We talked about with uh, business is uh, window cleaning has become, you know, we don't just clean, you know, bird poop off windows. We kind of, you know, we're, we're a culture now where people are almost proud to be what we are. So we have sticker sheets and, you know, it's almost like skateboard culture and we have, you know, funny window cleaning stuff. And it just kind of opens up the door to a whole another culture of people. And again, most people who are getting into business are always going to be younger every year. They stay the same age then, you know, most people aren't 65 when they're getting into window cleaning. So you get into kind of being able to speak that term and everybody else is still kind of stuck in the same kind of in the past. If, if you have, you've seen companies who they've never changed anything because this is how we've done it. And uh, we just thought it could be fun to, to go the other route. And uh, it's worked out really well. One of our colleagues, one of nice colleagues, he would be so, I'm definitely going to get him some, uh, I'm going to get him in a subscription <laughs> yeah. and these stickers he's going to, he's going to love. I hope he doesn't listen to this episode because now I gave it away. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually, it's, it's so funny as we, we have, uh, especially at like shows and trade shows and stuff, but uh, we sell, you know, sticker packs. So we overprint on all of our stickers because people buy just the stickers and the stuff that people do with them now is uh, we have high rise guys that, you know, have uh, chairs that they're all completely covered with them. So it's just like this kind of underground thing where uh, I've seen vehicles driving even, you know, in my area around that have my stickers on them. And uh, they're almost like a, a, a secret club, you know, where we kind of get it and other people don't. And it's, it's just, it really builds a lot of uh, camaraderie between uh, window cleaners. It's a great industry. And it's mainly for that reason. Well, you've definitely seen the culture come up, just like you said, uh, with the skateboarding thing and that. And the younger people, definitely a lot more pride in, in the window cleaning. I've seen that on the rise for sure. I guess you're a contributor to that. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny, too. If you look at like uh, janitorials, what we're really closest to in, in really just kind of black and white terms. 
and you look at that and there is no, I mean, yes, there's forums and groups and things like that, but there's no, there's no people out there wearing, you know, uh, hoodies or hats that have a brand on it because it's the cool brand. You know, it's windowcleaner.com. We have a lot of like just a swag, we call it, but shirts and hats and things. And we got guys in Denmark and Germany and uh, more people in other countries buy just like lots of the clothes because of course, you know, shippings and duties and things just for the fact that it's a cultural thing. They're like, oh man, it's like, you know, Supreme or one of these other brands where nobody knows what it is except for other window cleaners. But on the inside, you kind of know who the cool players are, the cool guys. So it, it it's, it, it's, it's fun to see from the other side. <laughs> I'm going to have to check some of this stuff out. I'm, I, like I said, I love, I love cleaning windows. I, I really do. Um, yeah. I'll have to get some, uh, some more swag. I mean, I'm pretty decked <laughs> out right now with, with college pro swag. Um, nice. I think I can expand. The, yeah. The yeah. You can always expand. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a pretty cool club. We've had some pretty good swag coming out lately too. I mean, the bucket hats and the fanny packs, I think they pair together really well. I think it's a, it's a pretty strong look for the crews. Yeah. My favorite shirt is the one that says, Dear Windows, I love you. Whoever came up with that was a... <laughs> Uh, I'm also very curious. We're talking about the podcast now a little bit. How did you know people would listen to a window cleaning podcast or did you know, did you care? I knew I wanted to talk about it. I didn't really know anybody would want to listen to it. (laughs) That's kind of when you start these things. It's, it's a lot of like the YouTubers also, you know, they started to almost catalog what they do for their own benefits. And then other people kind of end up watching it. Um, And I knew that at the time I had done a few different like shows for window cleaner at the time was, was uh, um, a smaller company. They were kind of the new ones. So we had a little bit more edgier stuff and I had done a show that I was going to start until my uh, attorneys at the time told me I couldn't legally do it, but it was a hidden camera show showing people how to do sales. So I had a a couple of these hidden camera pen cameras. I go in and do these cold calls with uh, residential or, or, I mean, uh, commercial and, and storefront people and, and kind of just show the process. And I thought, man, this is kind of cool. You know, I'm into this, maybe somebody else is into this. And I didn't really think I'd be doing it for as long as I am, but man, it's, it's really helped a lot of people. And there's just a lot of people out there who take the time to kind of say that it's helped them. And that's really why we do it. I mean, that's why you guys do what you do. You know I mean? You in your process of business, there have been people in your life that have helped you and you still remember them. I still remember people you know, 15 years ago that the first guy who gave me a bucket uh, on a belt when I didn't even know that was a thing, you know, because again, internet was different back then, but I remember that guy's name to this date. Um, And it's like, man, that guy really, really helped me and gave me kind of that motivation. And and it's kind of fun to be that guy to other people now. Yeah. Not to be uh, too soft on the podcast or anything, but I definitely love doing what I'm doing because I, I remember how much it helped me having a coach when I was starting in my business. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it definitely feels, feels like right work, right. To be helping people. with. Yeah, you, you get to give back and, and they get to learn. And here's the other thing is, is like I said, when, when we started uh, way back when, again, I'm not old enough to, to be that, but you know, way back when there wasn't really uh, forums and things. So you had to make all the errors yourself. Well, now every question and every answer that you could ever possibly want to know is out there. You have to know the right question, right? It's not the answer anymore. It's the question. Back in the day, it used to be, okay, I got these questions, but now I got to try to find these answers. So 
with what we do now and with even this podcast that you're doing, it's it's allowing other people to learn from your mistakes where now somebody doesn't have to make mistakes. You know, I remember almost being in tears and certain things that I've done that it's like, man, this just was not the right time to do this. It didn't work out like I thought. I mean, I can't believe I was so wrong. And, and then, you know, I get to tell other people, Hey, don't do this. (laughs) And they get to learn from that as opposed to spending thousands of dollars to make the same mistake. Although it does seem to happen surprisingly often that the, the warning is ignored. Well, admit. yes, I could, I, I'm only able to give the warning. I can't uh, make anybody actually heed it. Okay, great. Well, I mean, thanks so much for being on the, uh, the show today. It was awesome. It's great to have somebody who's, you know, got the content directly in line with what we're doing and some really, really useful advice for our, our guys. So thank you. Um, and I guess, you know, our last question that we usually ask is, um, you know, based on that first kind of entrepreneurial experience you had, um, with the window cleaning business and that, what would be your, your kind of biggest, most general advice to take away for someone starting a window cleaning business tomorrow? You got any? Yes. Yeah, so pieces? if you're, yeah, if you're starting any business, the only thing that you can't learn from anybody is hustle. Like hustle is either in you or it's not, you know, when they say 90% of businesses fail, it's not because 90% of those businesses are, are bad or can't happen because every business has been done at some point. It's that those people didn't have hustle. Like if you start a business, work eight hours a day on your business, even when you don't have eight hours of work to do, you know, it's that hustle is why you see some companies just explode and other companies not. And it's also the reason that some companies say, ah, well, in my area or, you know, with my customers, I can't do, I can't do, I can't do. And it's like, nope, you just, your, your hustle's not there, but you can't tell people that all the time, but there's one thing to take. It's to uh, put a fire under the hustle and, and get out there and actually just do it, work your butt off and uh, you'll see the rewards. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you very much for, for jumping on with us. I was uh, pumped to talk to you. I'm going to keep listening, tuning into your podcast. It's honestly super helpful um, for, I guess, just us in our, in our industry. So yeah, it's really cool to chat with you. Enjoy your weekend. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks for having me on and thanks for giving me the opportunity. Hopefully we can have you on again. For sure. All right. Take care.